Welcome again to episode 53 of the Book Wars pod. For the second time, I'm Chris. I'm here with Kate and Kristen. Kristen, this is our first international podcast, I think. Kristen is all the way from Denmark. It's at night, so I'm lit, and Kate and Chris are not because it's the daytime. They're they're early daytime ish. (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, no, Cass is giving us the funds while Kristen is overseas, so we're going to see how this goes. We're, we're switched AF tonight. Sure. Also, uh, also, Chris, I didn't hear any of that the first time. So, you know what? It was new for me. Yeah, no, it was great. I was like, uh, I was like, is this our first time? I was like, is this our first international podcast? Kate, I think it is. Kristen, is that right? Total dead silence. Yep. I couldn't hear. <laughs> we waited like a solid 10 seconds. We were like, is Kristen not there anymore? <laughs> nope. Not, none of us, none of us were. I don't, I don't understand. I did exactly the same thing. This is why computers and technology are hard. Um, well, as everyone knows, I'm drinking because it's, I don't know, my computer says 12 p.m., which is wrong. Um, 9 o'clock here, <laughs> 9 p.m. Nice. Um, I am drinking... This is my one millionth glass of wine tonight. No, um, <laughs> I am drinking Chateau Coutet Saint Million Grand Cru. Um, I don't know. I asked, no, not really. It's just French. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's the heart of Saint Million Vineyard. It joins Angelus and uh, Beaujolais, top of the Saint Million Plateau near the village. Blah blah blah. Organically grown. Uh, it's mostly Merlot, 60% Merlot, 30% Cab, Cab Franc, actually, 60% yeah. Merlot, 30% Cab Franc, 7% Malbec, and 3% Cab Sauve, and that's what it tastes like. I, uh, I started the night drinking um, quite heavy French wines, um, and then I asked him for a quote, quote, affordable bottle for me to drink for the week, which, as Kate knows was not actually an affordable American price, but a quite an affordable Danish price. <laughs> ah, Launching yes. myself into the sun. Anyway, what are you guys drinking? <laughs> <laughs> um, I am having, well, I'm having kombucha first, and then I've got a glass of some pear cider that somebody left in my fridge from Trader Joe's, so. Oh, yum. Yep. <laughs> Very fancy. Why do you have a glass of, wait, did they leave a bottle in your fridge, or did someone leave a loose glass of pear cider in your fridge? Oh, no, it was, like, one of those big-ass bottles. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. It would be really weird if someone just, like, brought a glass over and left it. Here's my cup, and, um, yep, bye. <laughs> just walking around with a glass. Soup's normal. I mean, yep. it's not out of out of the question for our friends, but <laughs> it's neither here nor there. <laughs> Truth. I know someone who once brought, someone asked them to bring ice to a party, and he brought a quart-sized bag of, like, six ice cubes, so... It's hard, hard times out here. <laughs> nice. Wow. Alrighty. <laughs> How about you, Dad? Uh, I am drinking water. Cool. Good job yep. at least having something this week. Yeah, well, I poured it and I was like drinking it because I was thirsty. And then you weren't online yet. And I was like, I need to save at least two sips of this. For <laughs> so you say oh you're drinking God. water. <laughs> yep, exactly. So now <sighs> I'm free to keep drinking it. <laughs> 
He's so he's so wild, because folks. You told us. <laughs> Good to the last drop. Hey, Chris, you want to tell us what we're reading? Yeah, we're reading Catalyst by James Luceno. Um, we're reading. We read chapters one through six for this episode, including chapter six. Um, and this is the lead-up novel to Rogue One. Am I correct in saying that one of the lead-up novels is it the only adult lead-up novel? I think it was the only one at all. I think this was before they like did a did a whole thing like they do now for everything. But yeah, so this is this was the somewhat prequel novel to Rogue One, not a direct like it ends before like significantly before Rogue One, but Okay. So I like how the subtitle now is um a Rogue One novel. Shouldn't it just be the Rogue One novel? <laughs> There's only one. <laughs> Maybe I think they wanted to keep it open unless they wanted to make all Well, it's cuz Rogue One is Rogue One a Star Wars story. Oh, true. Do you oh, get it? Yeah, it Do you is see? a Star Wars story. That's why Last Shot is Last Shot, a Han and Lando novel. A Star Wars story. That's right? stupid. Anyway. Or a Han and Lando story, something. I don't know. Nice. All right. Kristen, do, we want, do you want to start off with your, your most favorite of all questions? My favorite question when and where are we? Yay! So Yay! we're. So we're what? Like a little less than a year into the Clone Wars, it sounds like? Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of like the beginning. Everything, everything seems like a hot ass fucking mess right now. Yeah, it sure said we're, it said we're just we're less than one year from the first battle of Genosis. Okay, where does that put us? Sorry, this is a complicated question. Where does that put us in terms of the Clone Wars cartoon timeline? Um, firmly during it. Um... <laughs> Fuck off, Chris. <laughs> no, I mean like so. Like, there's the. We know that we're after the second battle of Geonosis. So, like, okay. that that plot line where Barris and Ahsoka get trapped. Okay. Mm. Um, we know that we're yep. past that because at this point, Geonosis has been, like, done. As we'll see. Okay. We, we haven't quite seen that, but we'll see it in the next chapter. Done as in... As in, like, the, as in, like, the Republic is won. Okay. I, I couldn't tell if you meant done as in the Republic is won or done as in that part we get to in Rebels where they've just... Committed genocide and wiped out the entire fucking population. No, 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 no. Yeah, no. Okay. that's what I was also thinking. No, sorry. As in the, well, I guess I guess we do know that the Republic has control because they talk about like st- taking the machinery from the droid factories. Mm. Oh, true. I did not put that together because I was like, "What do you mean you're getting the droid factory? What? Okay, we're here. We're there. Yeah. Got it." Um, so we're there. Um, we've got Krennic on Coruscant being. A little conniving bitch and trying to move up the ranks, as per usual. Krennic is so Krennic in this book. He's just so thirsty He's for so power. so Krennic in this book. Also, side note, I can't wait to talk... Like, we haven't done much talking about the concept of, like, the prequel novels. So, mm. and I th- Is this the... Th- this is only the second one we've read? Is it the third one we've read? Well, we read Rebel Rising. We read Did that Dark come out Disciple. before... Did Rebel Rising come out before... Rogue One did? No. No, it came out after. That's what I'm saying. This came out before Rogue One did, right? What do you mean by prequel novels? Do you mean prequel era? No. I mean, like, before the movie came out. Oh, like, direct tie-in oh, to this the is movie our fir- novels? I guess this is our first one, right? Yeah, this would be the first one. Then. Okay. 
I mean, it, well, Phasma could be considered, but it doesn't really have much of a bearing. It doesn't, but like it's labeled, you know. It was two. it was released before the movie, right? It was. It was labeled. Not that we read any Shadow. of these. Yeah, it was. Right. Yeah. Not that we read any of these before the movies, but but whatever. I, I, it's just something we haven't talked about yet, and I'm excited to talk about it. I'm also like in the middle of reading Last Shot or listening to Last Shot to to do a review for. Um, our podcast network so uh, that's the other reason it's like on the brain yeah um, I'm, I'm kind of waiting for us to get to reading last shot because chris actually read it before we went to see solo right right which right. is technically the i don't know the, i guess the order you're meant to read it in since it was released before solo so yeah sorry that was a total side note and i know we'll talk about it on many wrap-ups in the future <laughs> nice but yeah it's kind of interesting it's always interesting going back to like the stuff that happened before that we were supposed quote quote supposed to have read or was available to us right right um right and then we have uh gail and lyra hanging out in a vault which is basically space siberia and literally all these aliens are described as blue russians oh my god they're so <laughs> funny they're it's- so sweet though all the like aliens that work with galen in the lab seem like such sweetie peeties i know and the midwives Oh my god, the midwives are just like weeping when when she has to leave. Yeah, it was kind of it was creepy. It was almost like dragging the Romanovs out of their shack to shoot them. I was like, oh my god. God. Yeah. We obviously got uh, some hint. Like obviously, we knew what happened because we saw Rogue One first, so we knew that Lyra was pregnant this whole time, and they were doing some of that like foreshadowing stuff before they outright told us. And I was thinking it would be a really great twist if it wasn't Jin in the belly, but it was Jin in the belly. Jin had a, had a secret, <laughs> secret yep. sibling. Yep. I'm like, where? What if Jin's brother sister is Snoke? Okay. Um, oh my god. Oh my god. Go ahead. Get out. Get out. <laughs> All right. Dad wants to talk about the Death Star. <laughs> oh yeah. I just also love that. Like the like we're in that meeting of like the like Republic military command and they're like looking at this like death star design and like the progress and it's like yeah it was so weird palpatine just like presented this plane nobody really knows how he got it from the separatists it's like motherfucker why does nobody ask these questions hmm that he is the senate okay you know what oh my god also i want to i want to go on a tangent here to talk about how much the cover of this book annoys me Oh, no. oh, I don't even know what it looks like. Please talk about it. So on the cover of this book, we have like a view of like the completed Death Star with like the focusing dish and like a few tiny little Star Destroyers. There are two reasons that this cover annoys me. Here we go. What? Go on. Ask, some, ask, ask me what the two reasons are. No. Damn it. Chris, fucking <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> All right. So number one, we know that this takes place before Rogue One. And so that means at no point in this book is the Death Star even close to completed. <laughs> at no point in this book are we even remotely close. Also, we've got a live studio audience on our end today because my friends are in town. So, Number two. Hi, guys. Hi. These Star Destroyers <laughs> are like X-Wing sized. Like, this is not to scale. There are like tiny little Star Destroyers on the cover. And there's one that like literally is the size of like an X-Wing. Like, this is not how big things are. That's almost smaller than... No, it's not smaller than X-Wing because it's not... Trench size, but yeah, it's maybe a little bigger than the than an X wing, but it's fake. tiny. I'm gonna ask a question. I don't think we know the answer to. Is the Death Star presented on the front of this book more like the size of the second Death Star had it been completed? 
Aren't they the same size? Do we? Ass- I don't know. Do we assume that's bigger, or are they just literally the same size? I um, thought there was. They were literally rebuilding the same goddamn thing. No. Really? No. The second Death Star was more powerful. But was it bigger? I don't know. Okay. I'm How? taking this entirely from the Return of the Jedi <laughs> scroll when it says the Empire is secretly uh, cons- constructing a new a new battle station, even more powerful than the first Death Star. Yeah. Okay. How? big was it i mean i don't know honestly like <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure wikipedia it? has it but <laughs> i i guess i hang on I'll, assume... hang on hang on i'll look at make your point go ahead kate keep talking i mean i would assume that they just made the fucking laser more powerful because well i would hope that they would have gotten rid of the fucking thing that blew it up in the first place but who knows i mean to be fair they weren't done with it so who the fuck knows if like the the, <laughs> the architect for the second one was just like Huh, turn schematic upside down. What's this little hole for? Eh, we'll put it in anyway. I mean, it oh did take God. them 19 years to build the first one and like three years to build the second one, so. Seems fake, but They okay. already knew where everything went. I don't know how they got all that dunium unless they used something besides dunium. This is still my number one qualm. All right, the original <laughs> Death Star. Hang on. Yes. I'm looking. Yes. Well, wow, this is a shockingly short just people have just very clearly not filled out this article with all right death star stats Hang i'm on. gonna assume we don't know yeah, i think that means i'm gonna see if there's Chris. more info about the size and legends <laughs> keep saying keep talking about the size of the death star it's really it's really getting me going i love kate what <laughs> oh i hang on let, let me see if at least says death star 2 is bigger <laughs> That's oh what my question was, sorry. Yeah. Such an idiot. All right, so this, this article is far more complete. It says that the width of the second Death Star <laughs> is 200 kilometers, and we know from this book that the width of the first Death Star is 120 kilometers. Isn't that Ooh, what they said? Even... Yes. Yeah. So 100 something. Yeah. So yeah. the second Death Star is bigger. I win again <laughs> at these Star Wars facts that don't matter questions. <laughs> It seems like they were compensating for something that got blown up. Mm. Anyway. <laughs> um, um, okay. Cool. Chris, you, always, you also wanted to talk about the Clone Wars from more than the Jedi perspective, which is what we get now. Yes. What, or, what we've had before. Sorry. This is what we get now. It's bigger. Yeah. Or broader. at least the Clone Wars, not from the combatants point of view. Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah. So, like, we do get like this book that we didn't really get from the movies. As I make this point for the third time, because internet and technology. Spent um, half an hour troubleshooting, guys. You're welcome. It's only half an hour. Felt like eighty two. Give years. us money on coffee because we just I'm, spent half an hour of free I'm labor 7, trying to fix the, more, usually this am, podcast. So what could happen? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> what could go wrong? All right, Chris. Um. Ugh, sorry, I was stretching. Um, we don't we do get the new perspective of the Clone Wars from like the wider galaxy's perspective, and particularly from Vault's perspective, because we have Chieftain Grupp talking to Galen, and he's like, why would you join the Separatists? And she's basically like, because like resources and respect, things we don't get from the Republic. And which is like, which is really interesting. We don't get that at all from the movies. In the movies, we just see the Separatists as a pawn of Count Dooku and Palpatine, which is what they are in reality. But, like, there are legitimate reasons that Outer Rim planets in particular are really upset with the Republic. Also, like, most of what we get are, like, these horrible characters that are just, like, terrible. Like, you have the Trade Federation, um, who are just 
every bad stereotype of like greedy Asians and then you have the moon from the banking clan and there's like greedy Jews. It's really awkward. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, a stupid question that I don't know the answer to, which is why I'm asking it. Um, do it, is this a planet we've seen before? Vault? I don't... I, I, Not that yeah, I'm aware. No, I don't think so. I didn't think so either, but Dad said, like, we're getting an interesting perspective. And I was like, wait, do we see them? Like, do we see fighting there otherwise? But I guess no. No, we haven't seen Vault. I mean, okay. we've seen, uh, like, other outer rim planets that are separatists like specifically we see onderon and mira bonteri and her like mina mina did i say mira mm-hmm. mina bonteri excuse me and her like negotiations with padme where she's like dooku may be an asshole but we have like legitimate concerns here right or we have like dg notions who joined the confederacy really early on because they thought they would get some concessions and lord knows that um all the governments in Star Wars are extremely speciesist, so yeah. Oh, that's. I think it's really interesting when we see Galen for the first time. Um, like the narrator makes a specific point to say that, like the the beings in the room are not like organized in any particular way by like, and they specifically call out like by species, and I was like, oh, that's like very deliberate (laughs) yeah it's interesting because we have you know the republic looking at it is a much more diverse group in power than the empire is yeah what i thought was really interesting was um you know we've got krennic's perspective working with the special weapons group um and obviously we know that the empire is extremely human supremacist but like a lot of the scientists that he's working with right now are non-human species you've got the kind of like i don't know I always pictured him as, like, this octopus-looking motherfucker doing the presentation on um, how the construction of the Death Star is coming along and everything. Um, and then all of a sudden it's like, where did all these non-human scientists go? Probably dead. Because they worked on the Death Star, and anyone who works on the Death Star becomes dead. Yep, exactly. <laughs> One other thing that really struck me, just to pivot away from that point a little bit, is... Pivot! Pivot, pivot indeed. Um, just like, obviously we know when we're watching the movies that the Separatists don't win the war. Because it because it becomes the Emperor, the Empire, and like, the Clone Wars are all a plot anyway. But like, to the people who aren't in charge, or even are like lower level in charge, like the Krennics of the world, the, like the scientists, and like even from Galen's perspective... It kind of feels like the Separatists are winning. And this is something we get a little bit in Dark Disciple, too. Right. It's kind of interesting because um, sometimes we get, you know, Separatists do win battles in the Clone Wars cartoon. But for the most part, it's, you know, it's heroic Obi-Wan and Anakin daring do. And, of course, they're on the Republic side and they are magic and win all the battles all the time Mm -hmm. with Jedi stuff. But, yeah, no, I mean, it, it is a whole war and we don't necessarily see the full scope of it even you know even in a six season cartoon because there's only so much room you can where you can pack in story and battles and history and all that yeah absolutely and like there's actual political and military pressure for republic leaders to do something which is like why it kind of makes sense that they would be building 
this mobile battle station. Well, I mean, it's the arms race, right? It's, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the U.S. and Russia trying to build the... I was going to say, it's very Cold War. Yes, exactly. Except for, like, it's very hot war also. At the same time. No, I mean, I, I mean you just Wild think of... times. <laughs> I know. I mean, you just think of even now, like, Russia's always trying to, like, jack our schematics for, like, new fighter jets and stuff like that. That's exactly what the Republic did to the Separatists, supposedly. Yeah. Because Palpatine just magically got the plans. Nobody questions it. Seems fine. It's like the clone and, army. This, this is useful. Say, and the clone army, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? What? This is the same shit I brought up last time we were talking about this shit. I was like, uh, what about the, like, the giant plot hole of it doesn't make sense that there's a clone army? This seems fine. It's the hot dog they found on the ground. Love, it couldn't I, betray them. I love a ground hot dog. <laughs> it's my lucky day. Oh, uh, so it's sad. so annoying but like you do you feel this pressure a little bit right like you feel like the scientists and we're really going to feel it in the next part when we're on Coruscant and like in the scientists like Galen's perspective talking among other scientists but like you do get this this total war wartime pressure feeling that we don't really get anywhere else like the actual stress of being at war right right um what I think is really interesting is um the perspective of the book really does change how we're framing this battle. So we've got Galen and Lyra, who of course are neutral and they're just kind of trying to do energy research for the science of it. And of course our inside view into the workings of the Republic is Krennic, who is the most evil little motherfucker I've ever seen in my life. And then we have him talking to Masameta, who's also an evil motherfucker. So I don't know. The Republic just kind of, seems like this hot mess that is not even like moral shades of gray they just seem really shitty honestly like yeah. we already know the separatists are shitty like we don't need to get into that but this this seems like a problem well the issue is that they're the same side <laughs> true <laughs> sorry sorry to spoil star wars for y'all um <laughs> that awkward moment no but yeah, I, I obviously agree with all of that, but part of what I think has been interesting so far in this book is not only do we, I think we've known that the Ursos are like a, a neutral party, um, but I don't remember, I don't quite remember which character it was, but um, they introduce uh, Galen as a pacifist, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I didn't like quite get that i like somehow thought he was like doing weapons before and then he got scooped up into this and i'm like oh no he was doing like he was doing nice stuff yes he was doing like nuclear energy he was doing the equivalent of nuclear energy and they made him do n- nuclear bombs exactly <laughs> yeah basically exactly no they just say they, they kidnapped him for the manhattan project and here yep. we are yeah basically. but it's like it also like it's kind of extending how like total war makes a populace feel like it you kind of get why people were okay following the empire for a time right because like mm-hmm. people who remember the clone wars are like fuck that like you don't like this this whole totalitarian government thing is shit but like do you remember the clone war like right we've never really gotten that magnitude like of how horrifying it is and i think i think it's really important not only that galen sees what's going on with grange but also that we do because um you know we've got this Another innocent little world, and of course it has a personal connection for Galen, and even he is real pissed off about it. Like, mm-hmm. he, he who's, like, super steadfast in his principles, you know? Yeah. 
So, like, I don't know, I get, like, one of the things that, like, people talk about in Star Wars is, like, oh, like, you, you have all these, like, big, like, major victories for one side, and then they only last for, like, a few years. Like, you have, like, Palpatine winning and ending the Clone Wars, and then that lasted 19, or 22-odd years until the Rebellion wins and becomes the New Republic, and they last 36 or so years and that, and then that comes crashing down, and then the first order is in charge, and like there's these giant swings in, like, who is governing the galaxy. But it like, if you look at it from the perspective of like somebody standing by, like there are these generational differences, and like people's views of what the major problems in the galaxy are are reflective of their experiences. Right, and we've had we've talked before on the podcast too about um, how. Um, Memory is very short when it comes to these things, especially in a place that's so large that news doesn't travel terribly fast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think another thing, this brings up yet again, like how good Palpatine is at war and also how bad he is at war. (laughs) It's like he he sows these seeds of like chaos and everything being fucked up and the Clone Wars being totally insane and blah, blah, blah. So that when the Empire then emerges after he like launches his plan of Order 66, that it seems like a great fucking idea because otherwise everything would be totally fucked. And it's like, oh, that was very smart of him to do. Like, oh the, yeah, the like chaos of the Clone Wars is, is insane. But then he's also like, I have a tiny penis. Let's build a giant <laughs> star. Right? Two of them. All two of them. But yay, safety. Yeah, absolutely. Also, like, safety and stability in a completely new institution when the old institutions, like the Jedi, couldn't even fucking do anything. God, they were the worst! (laughs) Every pod we've ever done. No, mostly just, like, the, um... What was that last book that we read called? Dark Disciple by Christy Golden. Great. Dark Disciple by Christy Golden. Um... We talked a lot about the Clone Wars and how fucked up the Jedi are. So check, check, check that out. Yes. That's like um, 49 through 53. Something like that. Something like that. Through 52, and, yeah. But, oh, 52, uh, fuck. oh my God. But yeah, oh, just a lot of talk about how the Jedi were just not really living up to the Jedi code at the end of the war, which precipitated their terrible, terrible collapse. Because yikes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like. Obviously, like, it is all Palpatine's plot that's behind all this, but, like... But he jeopard- like, he, he capitalized, rather, on... Exactly. Like, whole he weaknesses. took a situation that was already in place, and he manipulated it, to like, to be sure, but, like, it... He didn't create the galactic forces that were causing all this. Right. So, obviously, as we said, this is a Rogue One novel. Are you happy, Chris? Sure am. Fuck Man you. Rogue One, yep. <laughs> Um, so many of these characters, of course, pop up in the actual movie. So this is taking place, uh, what, Chris, how many years before World War One? 20 odd? Well, this is... 23, I want to say. 22, 23, yeah. Because Jin's 23 in Rogue One, so, and she's born. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 That All right. That sounds right. <laughs> Important. Um, so, where when we first meet Galen is, um, 
you know, call it 15 years before we see him at the very beginning of Rogue One, um, as well as Krennic and Lyra. Um, and we see in this book how they wind up on that little planet they're hiding out on. What the fuck is the name of that planet, Chris? Do you remember? I don't. No. All right. Well, anyway, that I'll do planet. Google while Kate talks. Keep going. All right. And um, I just want to talk a little bit about how different or similar they seem uh, at this point in their lives. Um, Krennic, of course, seems pretty much exact. He's the really same. Exactly what you would expect. Exactly. He's um. He's this calculating social climber who is excellent at manipulating people despite the fact that he's just got no empathy in him, even in the slightest. It's it's pretty funny. I, I really like the part where uh, he meets Jin for the first time and he's like, oh, can I see the baby? And, you know, Lyra shows him and he's like, oh, that's nice. And then he's just like, and then he's like, walks away. <laughs> also, I, w- I would like to state for the record, he does not see, oh, can I see the baby? He says, is this the child? Oh my god, it's my favorite There's thing. At no point child. in Orson Krennic's existence does he acknowledge Jin's name and or gender. I know, like, he doesn't even say her name. He's just kind of, like, mouthing, like, Jin. Okay, the child. <laughs> the child, TM. Um, oh, they're on Lemu. Lemu, yes. Thank uh, you. Duh. Um, I got that, too. It has an apostrophe right in the middle of it. It's a crazy Star Wars name. Seems weird. Classic Star Wars. Never apostrophe in Star Wars. Um... Yeah, I, just side note, one of my favorite um, idiotic Tumblr memes I've ever seen um, is the, uh, some screenshots of the end of Rogue One where Jin's on the control tower and she's trying to um, realign the dish and, of course, Krennic finds her. Um, and she's saying, and, she, and he's like, who are you? And she's like, you know who I am. And he's just like, no, I, I really don't. Who are you? And she's like, he, <laughs> she's like <laughs> I know. She's like, I'm Jin Erso. And he's like, dot, 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 okay. And she's like, Galen Lyra's daughter, and he's like, oh, yes, the child. Hashtag the child. It's yeah, so good. Um, but yes. But yeah, no, Krennic, that motherfucker. My, my other favorite thing, characterization thing, is um, when he's in the auditorium watching the presentation for the progress on the Death Star, and he's like, I moved up ten rows in this auditorium <laughs> in three weeks. I'm going to be important one day. Oh, my God. And... I actually like love. I mean, we're gonna. I'm sure we're gonna see more of this because the book continues. Um, but mm-hmm. I want to see more of like how his character develops. Um, because by the time we get to like the beginning of Rogue One, he seems even more like fucking right on the edge and insane than he was before. Obviously, he like finds them and goes to, like, steal their family from Lemu. So I want to see how he gets to where he is now from, like, a, a happy-go-lucky go-getter who's a sociopath to, <laughs> uh, like, I'm a crazy fuck and I'm not trying to climb the ranks anymore if I don't get the Death Star done. Like, my life is meaningless. Right. How do we get from, I've moved to Temrose in this auditorium to, are we blind to pull the garrison? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Um, yes. Can we talk about Lyra for a little bit? Because I'm so glad we're, it seems like we get, we're going to get quite a bit of her in this book, which is really exciting for me because of course you, you see her at the beginning of Rogue One and, you know, obviously her, um, not choosing not to go hide out with Jin and wait for Saw, which was a choice she made, um, and come back and try to, uh, protect Galen. And of course she winds up dead. dead. <laughs> she winds up super dead because there are no moms in Star Wars, but, uh, <laughs> Um, 
it's of course you you gather from that that she's that she's um a capable lady and all of that but you really see that in this book even at the very beginning um hell yeah yeah, like, the way she talks back to people, and um, the way she's described as talking to Krennic is, like, she's pretty much constantly sassing him. Um, well, and she's, like, very strategic, like, with her, even in, like, the first chapter, where they're like, who the fuck's at the door? And she's like, I'll fucking handle it, like, buzz the fuck off. And they're like, you're pregnant! And she's like, buzz the fuck off. <laughs> pregnant? Yeah, she's definitely... <laughs> Pregnart. Oh my god. She's definitely <laughs> Galen's street Oh my god. <laughs> She's Wait, definitely before, Galen's street smart. Before we smarts. get into this very important point, um, since we talked about names just briefly, can we talk about the my favorite worst name in Star Wars so far? Hell yes. H- has? Is that how we're saying it? Yeah, I was saying like ha- like fuck. It's spelled has. It's I'm saying has. It- it's spelled has. I'm I'm pronouncing it like goddamn has avocados. Has avocados. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm not. I'm not pronouncing it has because we have like H O S S in Star Wars, don't we? No, we have H O S K. Yeah, but like I think if it, we do, ha, Hosk. I thought so. I'm just me. I Bosk? could just scream. Hoth. Well, yeah. Okay. Never oh mind. My God. Just disregard me. Has is the worst name in Star Wars so far, and it's not even George Lucas's fault, and I blame everyone. Yeah, no, it's not, it's not. Has Obit? Gee, I wonder if this guy's gonna die. We know he dies at some point. We do? Not necessarily in this book, but we, he was, he's very briefly mentioned in Rebel Rising as somebody who died. Oh! I missed that. I didn't know that. It's like a, it's like a throwaway line, but he is very briefly mentioned in Rebel Rising as somebody who is dead. Well, that, uh, Rebel Rising haven't been the first book that we discussed, so it's like our first three episodes. Did not know who that guy was. Yeah, no, exactly. So, cool. Also, obviously, I did not know this, but uh, I love it when my brain fucks things up uh, enough so that it becomes something that is real in Legends. Um, uh, Hosk <laughs> is a mid-rim region uh, moon orbiting the planet Calab- Calabra. Sure. In the Legends fandom. Yep, you totally knew that. So, I you knew that. That's why knew I it, said Kristen. Hosk is a thing in Star Wars. Yep. Not non-canon. There's mm-hmm. your... It's just always finding completely useless facts, because that shit's not canon anymore. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's fine. Not, not, o- not only was that anecdote long, but it was also useless. <laughs> it was also totally pointless. Um, to be fair, Hosk does sound like a super Star Wars made-up fucking dumb name, so... Well, yeah, I mean... I, I, li- I, I, I rest my case. I mean, make a noise and it sounds like a stupid Star Wars name, so... Oh, Haas. Avocados. Yes. Correct. Um, but yeah, I'm exci- I don't know. I'm excited to see more of Lyra. We get- Me too. She's fucking cool, and she is... I know. So, do... I don't know whether or not it like explicitly says it and I missed it, but is she just like uh, an adherent to like the force as a religion? Kind of like we see in the dude that was boning what's her fuck. Uh, help me. What? Who is- <laughs> not in this book. Not in this book. Uh, uh, fuck. Oh my God. Bria's going to murder me. Um, I didn't. Iden's boo, who becomes Del. Yes, Del. Oh does he my! Become an, does God. he become an adherent of the Force Church? Yeah, I don't. Okay. I, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but the way you described it, boning what's her fuck is not okay. helpful. 
Okay, it's still accurate, though. <laughs> I mean, yes, we have evidence of their boning, however. Child. Anyway, doesn't matter. The, but... chi- the other child GM? <laughs> Fuck. Hashtag other child GM. Um, no, but do we... Sorry, this was a real question. This is why I'm asking this. I don't, I don't forget names on purpose. <laughs> this is just how my brain works. <laughs> um, do, we, I don't think we know, but is she like Dell in that? Are they like both adherents of similar stuffies? I don't know if <laughs> stuffies. I don't know if it's like official because it definitely doesn't say whether it's official. But she, um, right. you know, definitely in terms of like spiritual belief and whatever the fuck, I think yeah. you could say that. Sure. Yeah, How do agreed. we know about Dell? Sorry, I never asked that question before, but it's relevant now. Because Kylo Ren is, um, when he invades Dell's brain in the Resurrection DLC, um, he finds all this, in, you know, he's like trying to read Dell's mind to find um, where Lor Santeca is. And he says, oh, and I see you became um, an inheritor of the Church of the Forest, blah, blah, blah. Oh, okay. Yes. Interesting. But we don't really know what that means other than... Nothing. I mean, we know that Chert and Bays were also that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But that's it, kind Interesting. of. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You I are welcome. I, anyway, that's what I kind of thought, and I don't see her as so far off from that. What do you guys think? No, I think it's I think it's interesting how deeply spiritual she is. Um, to counterpoint, uh, you know, especially when it comes to Kyber, to, as a counterpoint to Galen's really scientific approach to the crystals. Which is, I mean, it's a common trope, but it works really, really well, I think. Especially because Lyra's such a capable lady. You know, she's not, like, sitting at home, like, praying her space rosary or whatever the fuck. She's like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) she can be spiritual and she can be a badass at the same time. Which is pretty Well, it's also, like, how many years before Rogue One is this? What did we say? 23. Okay, so it's also 23 years before the Clone Wars, right? Or not what? the Clone War. It's during the Clone Wars. It it's is 23 years. Wars. BBY. Okay, fuck. Okay. Yes. <laughs> oh but my anyway, god. It's a, no, I, I'm just making the point of like, if she of had what? nothing... If, if she had nothing to live for and was on a desolate planet and didn't know what the fuck was going on and needed something to cling to, I don't know that she would be so far away. Like, if she lost Jin and um, Galen... I don't know that she would be so far away from, like, meditating in the Force and blah, blah, blah. Okay, but she didn't. She fucking died because she was a... Well, they, I know. decided to make I, her a fucking idiot. That, well, that, I'm trying to make the comparison between, like, whether or not she's in the Church of the Force or not. Right. I, I would say it's whatever she's got is synonymous, sure. Okay. Well, no, I was just, just kind of thinking. <laughs> That's good. I'm sorry, that's not allowed. Oh my god. Not for me. We are a thinking-free podcast. <laughs> nope, no, but honestly, it, it is really interesting to see this perspective on the Force, especially because, again, like you were saying, we have so many examples of people who are um, adherents of the light side but aren't Force-sensitive. Right. Um, so to actually like delve into it, it, it makes sense for a companion book to um, a movie that features two Guardians of the Wills, so... And I don't mean to pigeonhole her into something that we've seen before that doesn't necessarily have to be that, but that's what like rung most true for me. Sure. When I when I kind of read that beginning of the chapter that talks about it. Right. Yeah, and we know and we know that she's like 
into the concept of the Force as a guiding, well, Force, because her last words to Jin are, trust the Force, and then she gives her the necklace. Rip in peace, Lyra. <laughs> God, um, I just hate it when you Krennic's like, back from the dead, it's a miracle. Fuck that's like, that's like low-key, my one of my favorite lines in Star Wars. Oh, it makes me want to die. It's a miracle. It's the worst. I prefer uh, Don't Choke on Your Aspirations, personally, but... Oh, that's true. Also a good one. one. That's also one of my faves. One <laughs> Underrated movie, TM. True. Um, Chris, we get a whole lot more Lyra, I assume, in the rest of the book. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, excellent. Yeah, Chris, when did you read this? Uh, I read sometime after Rogue One. Okay. So you're doing it... Wait, you read Last Shot in anticipation of Solo, and this you read just kind of right after Rogue yeah. One? Okay. Just trying to keep track of how far ahead in the reading you are. <laughs> All right. Um, can we talk about Galen real quick? Sure. That's yeah, it. Uh, so, yeah, we've got Galen the science bro. And one of the interesting things I had heard from other people who have read this book is that um, Galen shows a lot of characteristics in this novel that are consistent with um, Asperger's syndrome. Yeah. So, you know, obviously that's never really stated it, it's stated um, here because Star Wars doesn't really out and out say things like that. But I thought it was interesting because um, I, I find that I agree, especially in that um, very expository chapter where Lyra's just kind of reflecting on the relationship and um, how she, uh, she, she and he like just kind of were like dancing around their feelings for each other for a really long time because he was kind of like, what do I do with my hands? <laughs> Seriously. I, I mean, I'm like... And I don't know how to say this without sounding like an asshole, but I'm like, how did Galen get Lyra? <laughs> like, she's so badass and fucking cool and great, and he's like, I am afraid to talk to you. Well, she said she thought he was hot, so... Yeah, I mean, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, like, that's literally how it happened. <laughs> Which is great. What do we make great. of... <laughs> oh, my God. What what do we make of um, what Galen and Krennic's relationship is at this point and how they were best friendos in the past? I'm sure we'll get more on this, but... Do we really point. think they were best friendos in the past? I don't know. Galen seems to think really highly of him, even though Lyra's like this fucking snake. <laughs> well, yeah, my favorite like... thing is when Lyra's like, it was never made clear to Lyra whether he graduated or kicked out of the program. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. Yeah, my other favorite thing is Galen's like, oh, yeah, Orson's just as smart as I am. And she's like, okay. <laughs> okay, no. Um, God, what was I going to say? I, I think it's really interesting how, like, obviously, uh, Lyra knows what the fuck's going on at all, all pieces of this. And she's, like, super skeptical. And Galen's like, uh, can't thank you enough for coming to save us. And then he's like, here's your home planet being destroyed. And they're like, what the, fuck, what the fuck? This is fine. True friendship. Yeah, it's really fucked up. I mean, it's like, that's the, the only thing that I can think of when he does that. I'm like, that's like Vader making Leia watch Alderaan being destroyed. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's kind of interesting because, you know, we say Krennic's a sociopath and we say that Galen, you know, ha- it doesn't have a natural um, aptitude, I guess, for um, social skills, but th- uh, both of them in a very different way. And it's kind of interesting. Right? Yeah. It also, and obviously we'll get more of Galen and can talk more about this as we go, but it's it's really interesting to me, like, the striking 
different. You, you stop kicking me. Sorry. <laughs> God. Uh, Don't stop, Kate. Okay. Um, it's really striking how, like, the difference between Galen here and, like, what an actual impressive achievement it was for him to, like, consciously, like, start lying and betraying the Empire and building that flaw into the Death Star. I know! Like, it it, it becomes a much bigger achievement yeah, than it definitely. felt like just watching Rogue One alone. I know. Like, we like we, 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 we already know from the first six chapters that he has really strong inter- integrity and um, really ingrained principles, but, I mean, he's just... He's just kind of like, he's, he's the kind of guy where like, what you see is what you get, you know? He's like, super honest, like, super trustworthy, like, really straightforward, super down to earth. Like, it's, it's kind of wild, actually. Yeah, it's like it would never even occur to him to lie. Exactly! Like, his brain isn't wired like that. Exactly, exactly. Well, and it's also, it really um, changes the context of the flashback that we see in Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Where, what are they doing? They're kind of, like, kind of celebrating... Right. And you like it's weird because I think so far from this book the biggest like um changing like changing character that I see is like Lyra in that scene mm. where she's kind of like you get I don't know I don't know if you can tell she's in, I mean she I think she has like one throwaway line but um I, I she's probably like I am going to embrace this for the sake of my daughter get like gathering the character the characterization for her at this point she's like I'm going to embrace the Empire so that my daughter has a better life, um, given how much they care about the child. Hashtag. Um, <laughs> but I, and that's, like, what's striking me is, like, Galen seems the same as they're characterizing him here in the book versus that flashback. That I mean, that flashback is what comes immediately to mind. Do you guys have, like, thoughts around that, or am I being a crazy person? Well, I think... <laughs> I think it's going to be interesting to see how much their character growth really turns around Jin, because um, I think you're probably right about Lyra trying to be a little less uppity for, for Jin's sake. But also, I mean, when Galen was thinking of putting that flaw in the Death Star, he was hoping that Jin was still alive and that if he did this, um, there would be a future for her. You know, so... It's him, like, finding it in himself to, to lie to his superiors. Like, that all turns around Jin. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I need to rock, I need to watch Rogue One again. Yup. So I can cry yeah. some more. <laughs> An evergreen statement. Yes. I know. I was like, the two movies I downloaded to watch this trip were fucking Rogue One and The Last Jedi. And I was like, do I just want to cry? Yes. Forever? Yes. I guess I do. (laughs) Great. Thank you. Thank you, me, for your stupid ideas. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. All right. Um, So last point I have on the outline is kind of more of a brief aside that I got excited about because I'm a nerd. Um, As y'all may know, uh, I edit a science for a living. And Galen's research is actually based on real science, which is really exciting to me. Um, specifically, um, different uses for diamonds. So, um, I think in the first chapter of the book, he talks about how, um, he thinks that all the crystals that they're exper- experimenting with are flawed and that they might have to make a new batch. And 
that's because they're trying to build synthetic ones. And so if in real life, when you have a diamond, the structure of it, uh, the molecular structure of it is carbon based, of course. Um, but the carbon is arranged in um, a certain way and they're just kind of stacked one on top of the other. And so you have a really uniform composition. And I assume that um, Kyber is analogous to that and um, is kind of arranged the same way. So if there's like one mistake in any part of that structure, like on the molecular level, you are going to have a fucked up crystal that probably can't actually concentrate um, energy or a laser or whatever the hell. Mm. Which is fascinating to me. <laughs> um, and also like diamonds actually are often a component of lasers, like real lasers, yeah. not like pointy shit that you scare your cat with. Um, yeah, if you're like accelerating or decelerating particles. Yes, yeah, no, yeah. like diamonds are very involved in that. And I think I like skim the acknowledgements real quick because again, I'm that guy who actually reads the front and back matter. And um, uh, Lucino himself mentions that he had to thank somebody for um, giving him some mm -hmm. information about diamonds. So I was excited because science is cool. This is our first Lucino book, right? Correct. It is, yeah. Okay, he's cool. he's sure. written two in the new canon, this and Tarkin. Ugh. The new Tarkin that we haven't read yet? What? Yes. Oh, fuck. Tarkin. That my, motherfucker. My, my blue boyfriend. Tarkin's not blue. Oh, you're right. Sorry. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Everyone's blue in my mind. No, he's he's medium gross, actually. Pretty sure. Yeah, medium gross Tarkin. That's fair. Yeah. Yep. When are we are we reading Tarkin? Next year. Oh, cool. Yeah. Thank you. I love I love this. I'm learning just as the listeners are learning, even though I've heard all of this and it's somewhere. She's learning for the first time that Tarkin is not blue. I know. I wish <laughs> I was better at Photoshop. I would just Photoshop blue Tarkin for you, Kristen. That would be weird. And she'd hey, have someone feelings. Someone we follow do that, or someone who follows us. Yeah, Heath, if you listen, us. we need you. <laughs> Don't make me tweet at him because he'll do it and it's going to be really upsetting. It's going to be horrible. very gratifying. Um. <laughs> oh my god. All right. I think we should cut it there before this, <laughs> before this gets any worse. Uh, thank you for listening to episode 53 of the Book Wars pod. Uh, next week, we're going to be continuing with Catalyst by James Lucino. Uh, we're going to be reading chapter 7 through 14. Uh, in the meantime, hit us up, as always, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr at BookWarsPod. Email us, BookWarsPod at gmail.com. And rate, review, and subscribe to both us and the Tashi Station Radio Mega Feed. Uh, it is the best way for people to discover the show, uh, and we would love for you to help us out with some ratings. Uh, also, if you are able and inclined, please donate to the Tasha Station Radio Patreon and the Book Wars Pod Coffee. It really helps us cover our hosting and production costs. Really what you should do is, if you are a Patreon uh, subscriber of Rebel Force Radio, you should take your money out of that and dump it into Tasha Station. Yeah, you should. should absolutely. I don't, think, I don't think we have crossover. You never listeners. know. We don't have hashtag similar interests. You never know. Check the child. Um, yeah, I know. Uh, I know. Just, they're, they suck. <laughs> support them. Please support yep. our parents. Please, please support our pod parents. They're wonderful humans. Yep. And they let us do this for some fucking reason. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, in the meantime, 
Thank you for listening. Our theme song is Whiz Bang by Poddington Bear. Our logo and artwork are by Joby Terror Design. Thank you for listening to episode 53 of the Book Wars Pod for Kate and Kristen and all of our technical issues. I'm Chris. We will talk to you next week. Fuck! Thanks, Mom. Wine.